The Celtics seemed like they were maybe going to get back into this one despite the poor shooting. Alas, they did not, and Jason Tatum got himself ejected. We're going to talk all about that and a few other less painful topics next on First to the Floor. It's going to be first to the floor here, and it was Marcus Smart as he usually is. That's not the first time we've seen a superstar in green and white sacrifice the body. Hey, hey, welcome into another episode of First of the Floor. Ben Vallis here. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well, which I assume you are not based on what we just witnessed. <laughs> the Celtics, they dropped this one in brutal fashion, shooting just 21% from three. Yuck. Wayne Spoonie's with us on this one. How you doing, Spoons? I'm doing... I mean, ter- I'll just say it. I'm doing terrible. That was awful. I pinched a nerve in my back right before the game started. Oh, no, too, man. So I'm playing her. You know, it's just been, a, it's been a rough three hours. <laughs> I think you probably still put up a few more threes in the Celtics in this one, despite the, uh, the bench that. nerve there. Uh, <laughs> also with us, the man with the mistress, mistress not performing along with the rest of the team uh, in this one, uh, Jake Eisenberg. How you doing, mate? It was not a mistress problem tonight. But, you are um, correct. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, losing is so much less fun than winning, especially on a, on a <laughs> night like that. Where Wild take. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like you were just not used to it as much this, this season. And this was kind of like an ugly one. And so it just kind of gut punched throughout. Yeah, 109.94, the final score there. Didn't even breach the 100 mark, the old C's. Uh, no Jalen <laughs> Brown on this one out for personal reasons. There was a, a pregame sideline beer spillage, the rare pregame beer on the court. I don't know if that <laughs> we can look back on it now in hindsight as a bad omen, but uh, you know, it's just the beginning of, of things to come. Um, and we're staring down the barrel here of a few bad jason tatum games which we'll get into i'm sure spoonie just going broad here what were your overall takeaways from this one yeah um i think this game in a lot of ways starts and ends with the three-point shooting or the lack thereof i mean 42 shots i i bet you 35 of them were good to great looks man and you just couldn't get anything to go i mean Derek white had a a handful of wide open threes and he's been on fire recently and he got nothing to go and there was that stretch i think in the beginning of the fourth quarter where tatum had a beautiful pass over to hauser for a wide open corner three it takes a weird hop off the rim and then all of a sudden obi toppins laying it up on the other end in about two seconds and it's just in a lot of ways, as frustrating as this was, and as horrible as the refs were, because they completely lost control of this game mm-hmm. multiple times. Um, and there was several beer spillages throughout the game as yeah. well. It wasn't just the one. I mean, it was just a sloppy, ugly, terrible game from top to bottom in just about every way I saw it. <laughs> in every way, this was terrible. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I kind of felt like... It kind of started and ended with Jason Tatum. One free throw attempt, I think, is kind of telling about how he approached the game tonight. I feel like he's done this against the Knicks earlier in the season where he shot 14 threes and a lot of them went in. Nine three-point attempts, that's pretty pretty standard for Tatum, but the approach earlier felt like he wanted to shoot his way into the game where sometimes I just would really like him to do it the other way around where I would like him to play inside out as opposed to outside in. And today was one of those nights where it was kind of clear that it feels like we haven't gotten off to one of those dominating starts in a long time, you know, when we're yeah. up 12 to 2. And, and teams come back and even it up from there, but 
just to get out of the gates quick, get to the rim, get to the line, get the ball moving, get some easier shots. Um, that would be something that I would have liked to see from Tatum, especially coming off two bad games in a row. Kind of assert yourself both on offense. Defensively, I thought he was fine, um, but would have been, I would have liked to see him really get into guys, some help defense, kind of some lazy doubles, I thought, like tonight as well. But yeah, Tatum, would like to see a more complete locked in from him, hopefully against the Cavs. Yeah, it's funny with Tatum. Just when we thought as fans we understood the standard trajectory of a Jason Tatum season, you know, just the 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 various chapters of a Tatum season, and after the All Star break comes out hot, like we haven't really seen a good, a decent, really Tatum game. Obviously, he had some some great moments against Philly the other day, but we haven't seen you know some great Tatum performances yet coming out of the All Star break, or, or really even in the in the few games leading up to it. Um, that's a little bit concerning. I'm not ready to declare that like a point of concern. Like he will get over this and he will perform in the playoffs um, as he has always done since his career started. But, um, you know, I'm someone who like panics when things don't go as planned, when things don't go as organized. And so this is like completely <laughs> like deviated from the normal structure and has me somewhat concerned. We had a comment here uh, from Winfred Fields saying, uh, is it not concerning that our only adjustment when shooting 20% from three, our only adjustment was to go five out and, and shoot more threes. Spoonie, I wanted to ask you about that and, and Jake will get your thoughts as well. Like, What are your thoughts on that? Like, Just keep shooting threes despite the fact that we're just missing them all. Yeah, and I, I think it goes <laughs> to just sort of the broader strategy that the Knicks play with and it's very similar to the Bucs. Like, I think we had a distinct game plan to play outside in against the Bucs or against the Knicks rather because they just park Mitchell Robinson down in the paint. I mean, he does not really get out on shooters. They just will give you open shots if you go five out. So I think it was intentional that we didn't start out um, inside out. And I, I don't have a problem with that game plan. I mean, I think you generate a lot of open looks. And I didn't think um, most of them were off ball movement. I actually thought Tatum could have had like five or six assists in that first quarter if we could get anything to drop. So mm -hmm. from a process standpoint, I get the frustration with seeing us just bomb away and bomb away, but the Knicks make you play like that. They really do. And it's a regular season strategy, in my opinion. I don't think it works over a seven game series, but when you get caught, you know, your third straight road game um, and you go cold, you're going to look really, really bad with how they play defense. And I thought they did a really good job staying. Um, they were just really patient. I mean, they didn't let us draw them out except for that kind of one run in the third quarter when Muscala did come on. And I, I thought offensively it started to look pretty good, but the problem then is you've got Hauser and Muscala on the defensive end and uh, even the Knicks role players, like we had to throw doubles it quickly. Like mm -hmm. that, is, that is not a good sign. Not great. <laughs> We've definitely been doing doubles a lot more lately, right? It feels like last season it was all guard your yard, no one doubles yeah. ever. There's a lot less of of that going on and we'd be way more willing to to throw doubles and scout mentioned on the broadcast it led to like that was the difference in the game anytime there was a moment where it felt like a team was going to build on momentum the knicks hit their three out yeah. of a double team after we got a stop yeah and that those two those back-to-back -back muscala in and out and the house up missed threes at the top and three that was that was kind of the night and they haven't they haven't updated the three point like the first half second half like box score yet but i think they took 17 three-point attempts in the first half from memory because they were one for 16 and then I think we hit the second one which meant yep. it's two for 17 that's actually well under our 
kind of average three-point rate. We take 42, I think, per per game. Mm-hmm. And I told you guys I've been practicing my, my math. So 17 times Killed two is it. 34. That's actually well undone. And there was that stretch in the second quarter where we did start, like mm-hmm. the double big lineup came in. We went on the 10-0 run. We're, grind, we're grinding on defense. And then we we you know, kicked out a few times to threes. And that was when the timeline, everyone was like, should we even be bothering when we're shooting threes? But to come back in a game where you're down by 15 plus, yeah. yes, you can keep grinding and getting like two-point shots here and there. But you have to hit a couple of threes at some point in order to get back over the hump. And they were, they were great shots in transition. The defense was good. Get out and running. Wide open. That's that's where I became more comfortable. With the second half, I actually I really liked the intensity was there. The defense. The second half of the second quarter, I meant to say. Mm-hmm. From then onwards, I I thought it was good. They came out flat, but they ramped it up. That's probably the biggest positive takeaway. Is I thought that's the best defense the Double Bigs lineups probably played, and all season just because they haven't played that much. Yeah, and we like you like you saying like we did throw punches, but the Knicks just had a counter punch. Every single time, and also like you mentioned, that wide open miss has a three goes back to the other end. The Celtics double; they rotate really well and like scramble out to all the swing passes, and they make one final swing pass to Obi Toppin, who I don't have the numbers here. Don't believe is a particularly good three point shooter, and he just splashes that. And that, in contrast to the missed wide open, has a three. Like we've had these kinds of podcasts before, guys. It's just like the the overarching takeaways, like it was just one of those nights, and like that, um, in it was this game in its essence, um, I suppose. Other areas where the Knicks really killed us: Jalen Brunson, Julius Randall. Let's start with Jalen Brunson out of the pick and roll. Like you've added this to the run sheet, I think, Spoonie, but like oh, just on how we did or rather did not contain Brunson in the pick and roll, and we had Marcus Smart in this game. We didn't have him in the last game. Uh, against the Knicks where Brunson was also very effective. Did you see any any differences there with how we met Brunson? Not not really. I no. mean, I really thought we were playing a lot of drop and that to me plays into Brunson's strengths. Like I'd prefer we just switch everything against him, play off him and make him pull up in your face because he's not a big guy. You can get a contest and like he's going to hit some of those shots. But look, if he hits... 10 pull-up jumpers or 12 pull-up jumpers in a game, it's like, okay, tip your cap. But if you play drop, you're basically giving him space in the mid-range. And then that's when he can get you off balance and go to his kind of weird pivot game and stuff like that. You're, You're just letting him get to the spot where he's most comfortable on the floor. And it didn't work at all. Like, yeah, he got Hauser and a couple switches, but also Hauser stopped him a few times too, you know? Like, I'd rather live with that than basically just conceding every time they set a pick that you're going to have three to five feet of open room to work in the mid-range area, where's the spot you're trying to get to anyway, every time. So I I didn't love how we, I didn't love a lot of the defensive adjustments um, Joe made, honestly, tonight. I I think the game plan, I I thought it was pretty sound at first, um, throwing hard doubles at Julius and then playing everybody else sort of straight up. But uh, playing drop on Brunson's going to kill you. And then we were just throwing these wild doubles and traps at everybody. And that's just yep. easy. NBA yeah. teams are going to pick that apart unless you disguise it and don't do it all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we just, it was like we got lazy and it's just kind of this rote like, oh, Quickly's got the ball, throw two at him. Brunson's got the ball, throw two at him. It's like, they just generated anything they wanted. 
it felt a little desperate is what I yeah. felt like. Yeah. And, and the doubles were lazy as well. Like if you're going to double, double, double hard because that can yep. actually work. But if you just meander over there, it's just an easy pass, bounce pass over the top, swing, swing, three. Yeah, the, the box scores are a little not indicative of how we held Bronson to, I felt like. He, he, gets, he gets a nice soft whistle, that's for sure. Um, yes, as well, what he did he does. shoot? 12 free throws today. But yeah, I think that's a good call, Spoonie. Make him shoot some deep twos or some pull, or some pull up threes. Like he only takes four and a half threes a game. It's not really right. what he wants to do. So make him take, take more than he usually does. But yeah, the, the, Brunson, the Brunson pick and roll. Like, and again, it's going to be interesting to see what Joe does in the playoffs. Is, are we going to go, kind of go back to more of our switch everything stuff? Because it's, it's just not something we've gone to. Because I think last year it was Bam and then Horford was the second most switchiest big man in the league and Rob was up there as well. It's just not, not the same way they're playing this year and it could be them trying to save, save Al's legs and, and stuff yeah. like that. But yeah, give me, give me Al on the switch versus just the, just so much space. And everybody, it makes the opponent feel so comfortable when you're such an elite ball handler um, and good decision maker like Brunson is down there. It just leads to them growing in confidence throughout the game. Yeah, certainly hope Joe has the capacity and the willingness to make those like in-game, those game-specific or situation-specific adjustments because he, he almost seems to come out with like a game plan in his pocketbook or whatever. And it seems a little stubborn and unwilling to like to, I don't know, his pocketbook, is that the wrong, the wrong term? His clipboard, whatever. <laughs> he seems a little unwilling to deviate that. Uh, one adjustment that we did see in this particular game that I, I thought was rather dynamic was Mike Buscala coming in. Blake Griffin, he was the first big off the bench. He popped a couple of threes, but hasn't played in like weeks when you, when you factor in the all-star break. So he has understandably cooled off a little bit. Muscala comes in, we play a little bit of five out, and suddenly there's just a little bit more roominess in the paint, and we are able to um, get into the paint a little bit and are able to be a little bit more aggressive, shooting less threes while you know pulling defenders out of the paint. We did go on a little mini run there as a result of Muscala you know, coming in, and I think all of us are probably starting to scribble some notes like, this is the turning point. Like the moose yeah. is trampling the garden. I was working on all kinds of moose puns, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it just didn't happen. Spoonie, like, what do you what do you think that spells out for where the Celtics go from here? You know, we've got the Cavs coming up next. Another big defensive team that are going to clog up the paint with with their bigs. Do you think we see a little bit more Muscala going forward as a result of the, those little pockets of goodness we saw today? <laughs> Well, tonight, I should say. <laughs> Mike, pocket of goodness, Muscala. It's got <laughs> such a nice ring to it. Yeah. Uh, actually, I I was calling for Muscala to play in the Sixers game for the same reason. Like, pull Embiid out of the paint, make him defend out to the three-point line, wear him out, get him tired. Um, and so I, I'm in on more Muscala. I think you really saw the problems tonight with him on the defensive end where he was twisted around. But yep. he wasn't that bad defensively um but I, I think in a playoff series teams will definitely target him and have some success but uh I, i'm worried about the Cavs uh running muscala because donovan mitchell will absolutely oh, yeah. destroy him in isolation so uh i mean i think he could do okay against a guy like brunson where he just sort of keeps him in front of him and don't bite on pump fakes which by the way we bit on every, every single line. pump fake tonight and we, it wasn't even just like you kind of jump up like jumping full speed, flying by, it's a four on five. Like, what do you, Grant did it three or four times. It was like he was not even in the game or really trying. I mean, it was so frustrating watching us bite 
on Julius Randle pump fakes. Like, yeah, I know he hit a three early in the game, but like, <laughs> let him shoot the ball. Come on. So uh, I don't even know where I was going with this. Yeah, I'm I'm pro Muscala. I, I don't know if I love him in the Cavs matchup as much, but I think the same logic applies to any any team that's going to park a big center around the rim for large swaths of the game. Muscala makes a lot of sense. You did evoke pain in me when you spoke about Julius Randle hitting a three earlier in the game. There's just, <laughs> there are just certain players in the league that when they have success against you, it just hurts more than it does for other players. And Julius Randle is 100% one of those people because every time he does something positive, it feels like it just shouldn't be happening. I'm like, we're better than this. We should not be allowing this. This is all yeah. our fault. It has nothing to do with your ability. All self-inflicted. <laughs> Yeah, that kind of another weird coaching decision, in my opinion. So it's two in a row with with Joe going with Grant over Derek last game, and then going with Blake early over uh, either Cornet that was weird. or Muscala. Like Blake's clearly, like, he's been good this year for what our expectations of Blake were. But when Cornet and Muscala are coming off the bench fresh, I don't understand why. Muscala is better than Blake at literally everything besides vibes. Ben, I'm sorry, I can I can feel the, the emotion bubbling behind <laughs> your face there. I was trying to figure it out. I was wondering if like there was some kind of deal that they made because it's New York and I don't know. Blake's got a comedy special tonight, and so it's like good promotional material post game, like in a laugh factory across the road. Because I couldn't figure out another reason. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I was kind of clutching at straws with this one as well. Like we know with relatively small sample size, with Jake being on, on the pedestal as a head coach there, that he is kind of an eccentric. And oh, like, is he just oh, kind of- Joe? You said Jake. Yeah. I was like, oh, I oh, thought sorry. you were doing uh, Jake. Joe, I, I can yeah, do it. Joe. Crazy Joe Mazzola <laughs> is, is who I mean. Um, and like, is he like how much, to what degree is he just messing around with different rotations yeah. and ex- experimenting a la Brad Stevens at this point, trying to find what works so he can- Scribble that down, in again, again, his pocketbook, I'm sticking to this. Uh, so he's got something hard-coded for the playoffs, strategy-wise. Spoonie, you, you look like you've got some thoughts. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Jake. Well, yeah. I was well, trying to... Yeah, go, go, go ahead, Jake. No, oh, please, please. Yeah. Bad so, hosting, well, sorry. Maybe, maybe you guys have better memories than me. Is it like, I feel like by this part of the season, Brad was tinkering. He, he, the earlier the season was, the more tinkering that he was doing versus the later in the season, the less he was tinkering. But you know how nostalgia has a funny way of just you know, playing with your mind and Brad didn't do anything to make me mad. He was t- completely perfect. Um, <laughs> but when I really think about it, I feel like everybody was furious with Brad throughout All the pretty time. much every season. <laughs> yeah. So may- maybe, maybe is truly as simple as that. But at the same time, we don't need to tinker with Blake. He's not playing in the playoffs really. Yeah. So it's like, come on, come on, Sweeney. Yeah. I, I I was gonna say, look, we're we're forty four and eighteen, right? Like I'm pro tinkering, but, but to your point, Jake, Blake is not the tinker. Yeah, There's no, we we don't need to see anything else from Blake Griffin this year. Like play him when we really need him when Rob and Al are out. But like as an adjustment, he is not the he's not the guy you go to as an adjustment. No one's ever like you know what this game needs, Blake Griffin. Like it's just <laughs> hey, not wait a second. Easy. Not everyone feels that way. Uh, I'm... Other than Ben. <laughs> no, I, I hear what? you loud and clear. 
non-insane people are never like Blake Griffin. No. Um, so yeah, I'm with you, Jake. Like I'm okay with Joe tinkering. I think one, Muscala is new to the team. So you still kind of got to figure out where he fits in. And also that the wing, there's no clear wing off the bench when Jalen or Tatum are out. And so you've got to kind of mix and match with your guards and playing two bigs and stuff like that. So I think that's that's what he was trying to find, what to do to cover those Jalen Brown minutes on the wing. And he was not particularly successful with it, I didn't think. Yeah, we really would have benefited from Jalen Brown's ability to get to the rim in this particular game, especially Play early on. on when the, the paint was clogged. Like he's just, he's yeah. such a, like a bulldog, yeah. head down dribble dribble gets into the paint and you know if they defend the rim he's great at that pivot and sort of mid-range fader a la michael jordan we saw it in the philly game spoonie you saw it live we're gonna get to that a little bit later for some better vibes yeah missing Jalen. you know i hope everything's okay in his world being out with the personal reasons but by all accounts he's gonna be back in the next one thankfully but uh sorely missed in this particular game i've got two more like individual player related questions based on what we saw out of this game the first one we touched on it earlier. Jake, like, are we um, in the Tatum slump? Is it official? Can we make the declaration? Yes. Oh. Yes. We're in the... <laughs> this. Yeah, we're in the Tatum slump. It's uh, bad. It's bad right now. Uh, he saved the day with the, with the Philly game. I, you know, the, the Philly box score isn't nearly as bad as it, as it felt. Like 7 for 17, 3 for 8 from 3, 41, 38, you know, percent. Uh, it's not, you know, you can, you can spin zone that. That's, that's not so bad. Tonight, you cannot spin zone. Six for 18, one for nine from three. What, the free throw attempt is really, really speaks, to, speaks to how he's playing, I think, at the moment. Because when he's not been shooting well, he's been finding ways to get to the line and boost his efficiency that way. It did not happen tonight. Four turnovers. And so two games in a row. I mean, even the Pacers game, right? He's just throwing something. He's just going in with no plan, throwing it out of bounds. Better than throwing it to the team, I guess, but very weird to just be seeing him throwing it out of bounds. I don't know. This is to the new part of the season where the Tatum slump comes into play. Like, there's always one. He hasn't really had a big one this season, I don't think. Obviously, he usually has it at the beginning of the season, and he was incredible to start the season. They usually last, what, like 10 to 10 ish games or so. Um, that's a good, as good a time as any to have it, I guess, and then just take off uh, before the playoffs start. The problem with having the slump here is that that would probably mean that we lose our hold on the one seed, which I've kind of been saying I don't care too much about. Obviously, would want it, but yeah, I don't know. It's just surprising. Like it's, it's it seems like a decision making focus thing more so than anything else. I know some people were theorizing the wrist that he fell on in the Pacers game was the issue. I don't think that's. I think that's kind of clenching at straws there. I, I have a hot take. Oh. oh, let's hear it. I like how Tatum played tonight. Oh, I actually thought assists. he did a really, yeah. I, I just thought he did a really good job of not forcing anything. Um, I thought basically all of his threes were good shots, except for the one he took where Randall clearly fouled him at the end of the game. And I, he was finding open shooters all night, I thought. Um, and I think, he could have had easily 13 or 14 assists. And I, I don't know. I, that's how I want him to play. I think he needed to attack uh, a, with a little more force. But um, 
for the most part, I, I actually kind of really liked his game other than the shots just didn't go down. So, um, generally, obviously the shooting not go, you know, the shot not going in doesn't look good and he's slumping right now. So I agree. We're in the midst of a Tatum slump, but I think he'll be just fine. Yeah. Again, look like looking for silver linings that even the slumps aren't as slumpy as slumps of Tatum slump past. Uh, take that for a sentence. See, you know, his <laughs> lows are nowhere near as low as they used to be, to put it more succinctly. Uh, final question on this game, play-related. Spoonie, are Derek White and Malcolm Brogdon, is, is their ascension impacting Marcus Smart's like reintegration into the lineup? Like He's looked a little bit up and down since his return. He was great in the Pistons game. Since then, he's looked a little bit like more of a bad decision-making version of Marcus Smart, which we know from prior seasons. Do, do you think there's an impact on him there? Yeah, I've, I've not really considered that. That's, that's certainly interesting because when he shares the floor with those guys, he's naturally going to have a little bit less of the ball. I, I thought Smart was probably the only guy who wasn't afraid to go to the rim tonight, mm-hmm. and I thought yeah. he did a really good job of that. But yeah, his assists have been down since he's come back, but um, the beauty about Marcus Smart is he knows how to, he knows how to give a team what it needs, and his skill set is varied enough that he's capable of giving the team sort of like, oh, you need me to just play crazy defense and spot up in the corner, I can do that. You need me to run high ball screen, I can do that. You need me to post up Jalen Brunson, I can do that. So it it probably is a bit of trying to find his way and where he um, fits in with Brogdon and White, both playing really, really well. And Brogdon was amazing tonight. Yeah. Probably our best player. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also part of it is like, he's probably still working as, you know, Smart's not been known to be the most in-shape guy of all times. And he <laughs> missed like basically a month. So he's probably still, and then immediately played a game and then immediately had a week off. So I wonder if he's kind of playing himself back into shape a little bit as well. Yeah, I thought I thought his defense was really good as well. Yeah, I think yeah, I thought he brought the the energy that you need from the heart and soul of the team as far as trying to set the tone goes. I thought he was banging with Julius Randle. I thought he did that last game as well, like really mixing it up with Embiid and yeah. and PJ Tucker and that's and that's. I mean, he had the 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 block at the rim of um, Hartenstein. That was sick, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. Um, even last game he had like a. A deflection and then he rolled backwards he's sliding backwards and he just whips you know like so i like to see those sorts of things from marcus because physically he looks he looks good to me um i marcus shooting 15 times is just historically not a good thing even when he yep. makes seven seven for 15 like you, you think oh if you can get seven for 15 from from marcus you're you're laughing but you, anytime he shoots more than 10 times that often means that the, he's felt like he needs to put on the cape and save the day and he kind of did need like we kind of needed that from him today because no one else had it going but it's usually a sign that things aren't going that well he had that one uh just awful awful transition step back oh, pull up three and, and we were like on a run, on too. A run. yeah oh that was so bad <laughs> yeah yeah got uh, yeah. <laughs> about that yeah, 19 points on, on like 46% shooting, it, it, it's not terrible, Fine. but it's not the Marcus Smart we know. And 
you kind of touched on it there, Jake, but anything above 10 shots for smart is usually a, like a sign of danger for like whether we win or lose. And we've sort of grown to, to, to love Marcus Smart as the, as the maestro, referring to him as the maestro, the conductor of the orchestra. And that's what I think we're not seeing from smart that we need to regather somehow because this team like humming along at, at its best version of its, of its best self is when Marcus Smart is like steering the ship and dishing all the assists and coordinating and all of that good stuff. And I just haven't seen that to that elite level that we saw him doing earlier in the season and in later stages of, of last season as well. Any other like missed takeaways or uh, individual performances from this game that you guys want to highlight? It is, it is a tricky part of the schedule coming out. I feel like with you got Philly, Knicks are good. Paces before Halliburton went down, good. Cavs coming up. Then we get a little bit of breathing room. We get Trailblazers, Rockets, Trailblazers, Kings, Spurs. That's a very squishy part of the schedule, especially when you look at the other team's defenses. That feels like it could be a chance for Marcus to kind of get back on track and the offense to feel a bit more, you know, get more confidence, get the ball movement going. That that's kind of what I'm looking forward to, and hopefully we can kind of grind out a win against the Cavs. But um, I feel like we we can kind of use an easier part of the schedule to kind of get us on track. Mm-hmm. I I thought Mitchell Robinson outplayed Rob. He, yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. It hurts to say, <laughs> but I thought he pretty clearly outplayed Rob. And I thought there were a few times uh, on the defensive glass, Rob yes. just completely missed boxing him out. Yes. And you cannot do that to Mitchell Robinson, yes. man. That's like his game yeah. offensively. That's basically all he does. Like You just got to find him and put a body on him. Smart had a few great box out on him in the first half and Smart continues to be maybe the best box out guard in the league so that's nice but he had a couple of times when uh we were making runs and and you know we'd force a miss and Mitchell Robinson would just kind of tip it back in and those are so those are backbreakers man yeah absolutely uh, just a comment to the Knicks fan in the chat like yeah, every shout time out you, you guys. every time you comment that counts as engagement for us which is enormously well, helpful you. so thank you for joining <laughs> us and please feel free to keep commenting yeah um, please hang it in let's go just subscribe yeah, yeah subscribe share with your friends share with your stupid nick friends we've got a few miscellaneous points to get to <laughs> uh from this game uh the first one being this situation with mike gorman oh, my who, like first of all like all jokes aside i hope mike is okay so good to have mike like back on a, on a road game as well yeah. um and Madison Square Garden of all places. I think this he just looks cool. I'm sure like he's he's probably in some level of discomfort, but rocking the eye patch, looking great. Hopefully depth perception. And he, I thought he called the game quite well. Um yeah. it, which hasn't always been the case in his twilight year, if we're being honest. Um, but I thought he was particularly good in this game. Very open ended <laughs> question here, guys. But any thoughts on Mike Gorman and the eye patch or any anything from the the broadcast today? I think it just speaks to the kind of legend that he is. Like to to pull out one of his season's best performances, missing an eye. He even mentioned that like where they're sitting, they were kind of blocked by a couple of people. And look, hand up. Has it been Mike's best year? But you know, MSG, the lights are bright. I feel like Mike rose to the occasion. The Celtics didn't, but Mike, I respect. I respect, him. and that's why that's why he's a legend and a Hall of Famer. Uh, yeah. Hey, I also thought it was, I love that he was just like, 
I'm coming out in an eye patch and I'm not explaining it at all. Yes. No one <laughs> yeah, acknowledged like, the eye patch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I thought it was just kind of funny to me that he was like, you think he'd be like, had to have some stuff going on in my eye, everything's fine or whatever. But he just <laughs> was like, shows up in an eye patch and nobody talks about it the whole time, which is fine. Whatever. I don't care. I don't, he doesn't need to explain himself to me. I just thought it was like, Mike is just, he's just the man, dude. He's just the best. Absolutely. Shout out to the Knicks fans. We know yeah. all the fan bases jump in the chat after after a loss to their team. So we love it. We love it. We'll respond so, in kind at yeah. some point once we finally beat you guys at some Look, point, uh, likely well, in the playoffs. Um, after the sixth seed, so it's unlikely we're going to catch them in the first round. And, uh, you know, let's be honest, pretty unlikely they're going to make it through to the second round. So, um, so next next year. Maybe, yeah, maybe we'll, maybe we'll play them in the playoffs eventually where we can sweep them out, which would be nice. <laughs> Uh, what other missed takeaways from this game? Um, I think Jalen Brunson might be the grumpiest looking human <laughs> associated with the NBA. He just looks like he has a gripe with everyone around him at all times, like a disgruntled employee. I think he has the, the face of, I um, feel like I would struggle to work alongside him, always trying to gauge the vibe, like, does this guy like me? Does he not <laughs> like me? What's going on? Have I done something to annoy him? Um, this is what we get with the missed takeaway section, guys. I'm not going to apologize. Rand- Randall's got an angry face too. Big angry team. Oh, yeah. Angry fans as I well, think, clearly. I, I don't think angry. Jalen Brunson is actually angry all no. the time, <laughs> but I think Julius Randall is just actually angry yes. all the time. So. <laughs> yeah. well, well, like Brunson's a grifter, right? And so I think those dudes typically kind of run grumpy as a general yeah, rule. Right. Like Harden's grumpy. Luke is pretty grumpy. Luke has kind of got a wide spectrum. He's either like laughing or a grumpy because of the, the crying and Brunson kind of falls more into um, that category a little bit with, with some of the grifting that he does. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, good team. Five, five wins in a row for the Knicks. Like, yeah, they're bad. good, man. Not this bad. is not last okay. year's Knicks rolling out Evan Fournier on the wing, man. And Grimes is really good. I like his game a lot. Yeah. yeah. Quick release. I like that jump shot uh, from Grimes also. Yeah. Other missed takeaways from this one. We'll combine these two together. The third quarter, Tatum... Technical foul, um, where like he was clearly pushed in the back while while slamming that that dunk in, and then um, obviously the ejection as well, maybe deserved. Like obviously he was chirping at that ref quite a bit, but I think that ref had it coming as far as like all of the missed calls and everything that uh, that Tatum wasn't granted in this one. Any any thoughts on that or any other missed takeaways before we wrap this one up, guys? Yeah, one free throw attempt for a guy that's averaging um, nine free throw attempts a game, like. There's something going on there. The um the second technical was the game was over. They were down like 14 with two minutes to go. That I think Tatum just wanted to kind of get his get his money's worth at that point. And honestly, yeah. kind of a good thing because he played 36 minutes again, even when there was three minutes to go. So that would have yeah. taken him to 39, yeah. 40 minutes. So <laughs> Tatum was like, Joe, I'm out. Enough. Enough of these minutes. I'm out of here. Smart. Yeah. yeah, I don't have anything else on this one. Let's move on and pretend it never happened. Yeah, it was, it was pretty <laughs> brutal. Uh, we do have Nolan's no uh, buyout on the run no, sheet. No, 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 Just yes. a quick thumbs up or thumbs down from you guys on whether the Celtics should pursue Nolan's no. One more big. One more down. big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if we didn't get Muscala, I'd be a little bit interested, but there's just no room for him in the rotation. I'm hoping Fully he doesn't agree. go to Philly because they just have no backup bigs. I don't, actually, I don't, I don't think he's going to have like a serious impact on the outcome of a playoff series, but I think he would be an improvement over B-Ball, Paul, and 
Montrezl Harrell. Don't they Deadman. have Deadman now? Deadman, Deadman walking. Like, PJ Tucker's their best backup five. But like, that's not sustainable. So can we actually fill a need for them? Hopefully it goes back to the Mavs or something. All right. Enough of all that. Let's move on. Uh, look, you can read all about this on theCelticsBlog.com. Uh, Mr. Wayne Spoony infiltrated behind enemy lines in the city of brotherly love, city of Philadelphia, went to that amazing, thrilling Celtics Sixers game. I'm just going to throw it over to you, Spoony. Obviously, sure. we've got the written version. Can we get the, the verbal version of your experience there uh, in the Death Star, as you called it? Uh, yeah, it's... Uh... <laughs> We, you know, got into town Friday, had a drink or two, walked to dinner, went to this place called Pesto in South Philly. It was delicious, wonderful dinner. Bring your own wine. So we brought a bunch of bottles of wine. I had had some glasses of wine, grabbed a drink afterwards. And then, you know, we were walking back to our host's apartment and we're just walking past you know, across street, right at an intersection. And there's a car just like parked at the stop sign. And I, you know, I don't think anything of it, right? Philly's a very large city. There's cars there. So, and then all of a sudden my chest just starts hurting, not like <laughs> really bad, but just like, like a, you know, bee sting or something. A pressure. And my wife's like, starts dying laughing. And she's like, you just got hit with an egg. And I looked down <laughs> and I'm covered in like yolk and egg. <laughs> Uh, liquid and there's just <laughs> like uh there's eggshell all over me and i i just started <laughs> laughing because it was just nothing like that has really ever happened to me in my life before i mean my, i've had some run-ins in philly where somebody's like stuck their hand in my back pocket getting off the subway but like a random egging is just not something i expected when i rolled up to philadelphia so that really set the tone for uh <laughs> The whole weekend, frankly. <laughs> Were you wearing any Celtics gear at all? No, just man. I had totally a, unprovoked. I, totally unprovoked. <laughs> it just happened to be me. Uh, I don't know why, but it was just like I. I always say, like I've been. I, I'm not like some global traveler or anything like that. I've done some traveling. I've been to a lot of cities in the United States. Philly is my least favorite. <laughs> um, I just do not like it <laughs> at all, and it doesn't like me. So I think we're like <laughs> together fine. on that. Yeah. Um, but the game, the game was awesome. We went, you know, about a 45 minutes early, the walk-in. I was a little, I wasn't like scared or anything, but I was a little anxious and knew like I couldn't full on cheer and clap in people's yeah, faces. Did you wear Celtics gear? Yeah, I had yeah. a Celtics shirt on. My wife had a Celtics sweatshirt on, so... We were rolling up. We were representing. There was more Celtics fans than I expected. I uh, saw some Tatum jerseys on the walk-in. I saw a Kyrie Celtics jersey oh. at one point, which was just really bizarre. Um, but uh, yeah, so we get to our seats, you know, grabbed a couple drinks, you know how it is, grabbed a water or whatever. And then we're like three minutes into the first quarter and the woman sitting right next to us just pukes all over the floor. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, just like pukes Like between all over her the legs? Floor. Yeah, like <laughs> down between her legs, all over the floor. Um, it wasn't like a ton of puke, but it was puke right there. And like her boyfriend's just like, oh, damn. And he's just like eating away and drinks <laughs> keeps his beer. Eating. Yeah. And we're like, dude, get her out of here. And she just like goes to the bathroom by herself. And then 10 minutes later, he leaves and then he comes back without her. 
and another beer and a bucket of french fries <laughs> and sits down and just starts eating and drinking again. So um, she comes back with a ton of napkins. I, In the meantime, I had gone to ask for um, like custodial to come by and clean it up. Sure. They never showed up. They're like, yeah, we'll be up there. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah, Tell yeah, them this next two minutes prior. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> never showed up. So we were just like sitting next to a huge pile of pukey napkins for the entire game. Um, which was just like quintessential the city of Philadelphia. Um, <laughs> but the game obviously was awesome. By the end, I was I was screaming pretty loudly on that Tatum shot to win it. I couldn't help myself. Uh, so the guy in front of me, at like once Embiid's shot didn't count, just turned around and was like, F you, F you, F you. <laughs> I'm like, sorry, man. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. You guys suck. Uh, I didn't say a word. <laughs> I just laughed. But. Um, and then the walkout was incredible, dude. Like you could, the, the sadness of yes. the Philadelphia fans Good. was palpable. Like people were just shaking their head. One guy was just screaming, we'll never beat them. <laughs> we'll never beat them. Just broken. We'll never beat them. And you would just hear random people like, <laughs> like, you know what I, I mean? It was like, it was absolutely ridiculous. It was incredible man it was nothing like i've never experienced anything like that before because i've only seen games in dc and there's more celtics fans there yeah. so to like experience a t like a fan base that actually cares and to lose in heartbreaking fashion like that man it was a lot of fun and honestly everybody nobody gave me any crap other than that one dude who kind of like in yeah he wasn't he wasn't really being an asshole he was just like you know f you f you all in good fun for yeah. the most part so Nobody bothered me. Everybody was cool. The one dude who said he'd call custodial, I know he tried to, so he was really cool. He was a nice guy. <laughs> just the custodians just never showed up. Yeah. They're like, nah, we're not doing that. But um, so yeah, it was um it was a lot of fun, dude. I really enjoyed it. And like everybody was cool. Like I had some people be like, Oh, be careful, be careful. But uh the the Philly fans were were totally respectful. Um and I was being too, you know, I wasn't trying to be a jerk or yeah. anything. So yeah. it was good. It was a lot of fun. That's that's awesome. And I was as you were saying that, I'm thinking, you know, the Tatum thing just must cut pretty deep. Just yeah. not because obviously he's been kicking their butt for his whole career, but the fact that they could have drafted him, they could have drafted Jalen. Can you imagine how bad Al Heiser would be if they had drafted Jalen instead of Simmons and Tatum instead of Fultz? Al Heiser would be over. Yeah. I, would be, I would have moved to the mountains years ago and cut off the whole internet. <laughs> off the ground. really into hockey. <laughs> yeah. Complete, choose an egg, egg-shaped ball sport, not a round ball. <laughs> That's amazing. Such an amazing story. Too many nice things said about Philly, if I'm being honest yeah, with you, I, but, um, but I'm glad that it you know, wasn't that treacherous. Safe. Yeah, it's yeah. safe. Um, Jake, have you ever been to a road game? Any hostilities met on, right. on any well, road games you've attended? I'm yeah. like scarred now from wearing the wrong clothes. To, I went to a Niners-Panthers game and I wore just like my Patriots Edelman jersey, and we were like, we were we were we weren't being rude to anyone because like the Niners won by forty, the Panthers suck, whatever. Yeah. Um, but we were really drunk, and we're leaving <laughs> the game, and just I'm in between my two friends who are both like six two, and all of a sudden I just out of nowhere, dude comes out of the crowd, flying fist, and just knocks me out on the drive oh, out of the yeah man yeah, and I just like thankfully I'm like on this. Like not concrete, like mulch kind of part, so I don't land on concrete. Um, and then he just runs into the crowd, and I'm like, one, this is why I have big friends, 
So like, and you got to protect me. And two, there was, there was just no rhyme or reason we could really figure out why it happened outside right. of everybody hates the Patriots. And so <laughs> I'm just kind of like, we saw the Lakers play like a week later and I was going to wear a Celtic stuff and I'm like, ah, oh, I've been knocked out once this week. That's, en- that's enough. And so I've been, I've been scarred since then, but it, it's, it was kind of a weird experience. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I've never experienced violence like that, thankfully. But uh, I did go to Celtics at Brooklyn Christmas Day 2012, which uh, is aging me a little bit. But uh, <laughs> my wife and I had pretty good tickets, and it, you know, in front of us was a father and maybe his like 10 year old son, and it was clearly the kids' like first game. And I was off the plane. It's Christmas. Got a couple of beers in me. It's like a midday yeah, nice. game. And uh, I'm having a great time. And all I'm doing is like cheering for the Celtics, like super loud. This is like Jared Salinger's rookie year. He had like, <laughs> he had, like a 17-7 oh, game. And KG was like really fired up based on his performance. Rondo was great. Jeff Green was great. Paul Pierce was great in that game. Cool. Um, the Celtics won. And I was just like so happy and beaming and just like cheering in support of my team. But this kid like didn't handle it well he just because his team was losing and that was sad for him as a, as a little fella <laughs> and um this like a loud australian guy cheering like, at the top of his lungs behind him just like really like put him down i think and the dad was like patting him on the back trying to cheer him up did i feel bad yeah a little bit but ultimately i walked away feeling pretty good but uh road games when your team wins particularly in the fashion in which uh spoonie witnessed the other yeah. day is so much fun arguably more fun than uh than winning at home Guys, uh, I'll offer this opportunity to you, Jake, before we wrap up. Do you want to tease or just like tell who our guest is almost fully confirmed to be in a couple of days' time on this podcast? Yeah. You never know in this line of work what can happen <laughs> right before the show, but the mistress's father, sir- The mister? The mister White. <laughs> the mister. Yeah, Derek White's dad to make to, as we, you know, slowly march towards having every Celtic parent on the podcast- over the years, uh, yeah, Derek White's dad has said he's going to come on after the Cavs game, which uh, is super exciting. And I'm like kind of trying to figure out how weird I'm going to be um, about the mistress saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, episode two in our Celtics dad series. Yeah. Uh, can't yeah. wait. It's going to be great. Um, <laughs> Celtics dad <laughs> series. I love it. Let's well, parents because I will take Tatum's mom if she wants to come on. Oh, 100%. For sure. Any of yeah. their moms. Come any, on. any relation. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah really. Yeah. <laughs> You're like a fifth cousin. Come on the show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any of the Horford siblings. I know there's like 12 of you. Come on down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. That is going to do it for this one. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, just a quick reminder that we are moving to CLNS. So at the moment, we're posting on both the Celtics blog feed and the CLNS, or rather our own podcast feed, which is now within the CLNS family. That's only going to be the case for a week or two, and then we're going to fully transition to only our new, which happens to be our old podcast feed. The link for that feed is going to be in the show notes for this show if you're watching or listening on the on the Celtics blog feed. So make sure you click on that link, uh, head on over to our new feed and subscribe there because that's where you're going to be able to find us long-term moving forward. Yeah, just do it um, right now. Just type in your phone, first to the floor, podcast, Spotify. Literally, you're done. You're done already if you just do it in those last seven seconds <laughs> and we're back <laughs> uh, we're going to be back like we said with Mr. White hopefully uh, Richard White directly after the Cavs game coming up in a couple of days Spoonie Jake love your work guys until next time go Celtics go Celtics